But if you believe that the harvest is coming and you believe what God is saying and stirring in the atmosphere, then you're not afraid to get messy. You're not afraid to take time. You're not afraid to learn what God wants us to learn during this season. Because God wants you to get a big vision. You were not born with limitations, but born with possibilities, and you have the master key. So start declaring that your best days are still in front of you. And what God is saying is, if I have expectation of you, then nothing can stop you. Nothing has stopped you. Nothing can stop you because God has destiny on your life. The invitation to follow is not about an invitation to direction. It's an invitation to transformation. So if following Jesus isn't changing you, you're not following him. We don't have to give you a bishop hat in order for you to have an anointing. What you need to do is have a prayer life. What you need to do is be a group of people who say, I'm willing to take the second invitation. Here I am. I'm on my way. Come on, who's excited? Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell him you're up next. You're up next. I want to uh, just greet you one more time. What an incredible day it's been at the gate. It's so good to see each and every one of you. And uh, what, a, what a wonderful thing just to see our house full of people again. It's good to be able to gather and celebrate the resurrection. We're excited about uh, the conference that's coming up soon and uh, some folks that are new to our church. So grateful that God's just adding people to the gate church. There's a lot of new families and new people. And I was having a conversation with someone just the other day and they said the affecting destiny deal, they said it's, it sounds like it's like lots of pastors and is it for me? And I was like, well, it's lots of pastors, but it's for you. And so each night on Tuesday night, Wednesday night and Thursday night, uh, if you've never been a part of Affecting Destiny, you really want to make an effort to be here in the evenings. We have an incredible time of worship. Some of the best uh, communicators and preachers uh, from, from around the country are friends of ours that are here. And they just deposit and uh, not only speak to leaders and pastors, but they deposit something that will uh, just propel you into God's next and God's future for your life. So the evenings are a great time. There was information there about uh, for people that aren't in Oklahoma City, if they want to kind of uh, just stream the conference online, there's a nominal fee for that. But you don't have to pay that uh, to come and be in person. So it doesn't cost you anything. If you're a part of the Gate Church, or you're in Oklahoma City here, you can come in the morning, you can come in the evening to as much of that as you can make. And you are more than welcome. And just like Pastor David and Jennifer said, there's many ways that we can just help host all these out-of-town guests. And so we want you to, uh, to do all of that. But you're going to be blessed by being a part of Affecting Destiny. Amen. Well, it's such a delight. I know that there are many of you that are here with us for the first time, or maybe it's been a long time since you've been back in church. There's a lot of reasons that we haven't been able to be in church. But we're excited about the fact that Christ is risen. And uh, that's, that's the single 
single most important reality of our life as, as Jesus people. And uh, I just want to say on behalf of Pastor Kathy that it just fills our heart with joy uh, to have you worshiping with us today. We're going to jump right into the word today. I have the privilege of sharing that with you. And uh, I know that God is going to speak to us. How many of you are grateful that no matter what circumstances or what else is going on in life, no matter when things go our way or they don't go our way, there's one event, there's one reality that will never change. Sometimes when you get worried or you get troubled or you get frustrated about where your life's at or where the world's going or where, you know, things are happening, you just need to remind yourself, no matter what happens, nobody can get Jesus back in that grave. That's the one thing that's never going to change is that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He lives forevermore. So Easter is one Sunday a year that reminds us that every day of the year we have unchanging good news. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell them, say, you're a good news person. You're a good news person. If you're a Christian, you're a good news person. And so I want to speak to you for a few minutes this morning from this subject, the good news, your God is a gardener. The good news today is that your God is a gardener. Let's turn to the scriptures. Turn with me and you can read them on the screen with us. I apologize for our difficulties with some of the lyrics for the songs. I know um, Pastor Kathy and our team are working uh, diligently on that and we're going to uh, continue to improve so that you're able to, to flow with the songs that we sing. And so thank you for your patience there. Genesis chapter two, that's definitely not something we want to be a normal. Genesis chapter two and verse number seven. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Now we'll turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 19, and verse number 41. John, chapter 19, and verse number 41. Now there was a garden in the place where he was crucified, and in the garden... There was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And so, because it was the Jewish day of preparation and the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Somebody just say they laid him in a garden. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for your people. And Lord, we thank you that resurrection today is not just an event that we commemorate, but Lord, it is a reality that we experience as the people of God. And Lord, my prayer today 
is that everyone under the sound of my voice here in this building or online will experience the truth of your word, that your resurrection life would breathe into us today, that we would recognize that you're able to make all things new. And Lord, we look to you to do that. Open the scriptures to us, Lord. Open our eyes and open our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Our scriptures this morning are from the beginning. They're from the beginning of the story that God tells in Genesis. And when we read the first stories in Genesis, it's important to understand that what the Holy Spirit is doing in giving us these stories in Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 is that these are foundational stories. These are stories that are true because they happened, but they're even truer than that because they tell us, they give us pictures of what human experience is. So when we see the story of Adam and Eve uh, and we see the story of Cain and Abel, we will recognize if we have careful eyes, we'll recognize realities and patterns that are playing out in our lives over and over and over. And so by that we mean that these are foundational stories. These are stories that God tells us in such a life-giving way that uh, we we recognize how these patterns and principles operate in our lives all the time. And so when we read that, watch this, God formed Adam, what the Holy Spirit wants us to do is to see ourselves in Adam. So that when God forms Adam and then God places Adam in a garden that God planted, it tells us that God has a prepared place for me. But before God placed Adam in God's prepared place for Adam, God first formed Adam and then he filled Adam. So how many of you know that in your life God has a garden prepared for you? God has a place prepared for you. You're not meant just to wander and meander about through life. You have been created and designed by God to, to live and serve and function in a particular place, in a particular time, in a particular calling. And God has a place prepared for you. But how many of you know that the qualification to be placed in the prepared place is that I allow myself to be formed by God and then to be filled by God. So when God forms Adam and then he breathes into him the breath of life, I need to see in that that God wants to form and shape my life. That means that my ability to fulfill my purpose in God is always going to be connected to my willingness to be formed by God and to be filled by God. How many of you know God doesn't want to place you somewhere until you're full of him so that you can be what you need to be in the place that he's placed you? Sometimes we wonder why it's taking us so long to get to the prepared place that God has for us. And we don't need to look and point our finger to heaven. We need to look in the mirror and say, there must be something about me that I'm not allowing God to form me and to fill me in the ways that he wants to. 
And, and, and the scripture invites us to ask questions. And so we see that throughout scripture, gardens are a symbol of our interior life, our hearts and our souls. So what I think Genesis is actually inviting us to consider is not only did God form God and form Adam and place him in a garden, but Adam was the garden. So that what God is doing is presenting himself as the gardener who plants a garden to place man, but what he really wants to do is be the gardener inside of Adam. He wants to be the man on the inside of Adam who is nurturing Adam to fullness of life, who is tending and tilling Adam's life. And Adam has this calling to be a gardener because he's called to be like his God. So God the gardener has placed a gardener in his garden because he is supposed to reflect what God is like to the rest of creation. He is supposed to be like his creator and his father. And as we continue through the story, we see cycles of how this repeats. So you know the story. I'm not going to take time to tell it to you. You ought to be familiar with the story of what happens with Adam and Eve. And you know that they end up expelled out of the garden. And then they have two sons. And, and the writer of Genesis wants to have all this garden stuff in the back of our mind as we consider what the Bible tells us about Cain and Abel. And the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain was their first son, and Abel was their second son. And the Bible says that Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So Abel is a shepherd, and Cain is a farmer or a gardener. And you know the story, Cain invites Abel out into the field, He's a little upset and jealous because God seems to like Abel's sacrifice that he brought. And so once again, Genesis is presenting us pictures that tell us about what God is going to do. And so Abel is a keeper of the sheep and he brings a lamb to God. So that he brings this lamb to God, he offers this lamb to God. So Abel is a man who slays a lamb and gives it to God. Cain sees this offering, he's upset, he ends up killing Abel. But what I want you to invite you to consider is that what Genesis is trying to do is to get us to picture a lamb, who, a man who brings a lamb. But the man who brings the lamb is then also slain. So you have a man who slays a lamb, and then you have a man who is slain as a lamb. Are you doing okay? So I want to say it to you this way. Abel doesn't just bring a lamb, Abel becomes a lamb. Are y'all okay on Easter Sunday morning? So Abel becomes a lamb, he is a lamb, and he is giving us a picture of a man who will come in the future and become the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So we read the whole Bible and find out that Jesus' blood speaks of better things than that of Abel. Are you with me this morning? 
And I know we're, we're, we're swimming a little bit on Easter Sunday, but it's going to be okay. We're going to help it all make sense in a minute. So in the story of Abel, we see that God's uh, got this man who brings a lamb, and this lamb foreshadows God's plan. But I want to focus not on Abel because Abel is a shepherd. I want to think, I've heard lots of Easter messages on Abel. I don't know that I've heard very many on Cain. But it's interesting to me that Cain has this assignment. He has this calling not to be a keeper of sheep, but he has a calling to be a tiller of the soil. So Cain we could even say, I got some soil up here. This is real soil too. So I'm going to get my clothes dirty in a minute. Cain is a, is a tiller of the soil. Cain is called to be a gardener. So Cain has this calling. God says to Cain, I want you to do what I do. I want you to be what I am. I want you to be like me. One of the very first things that the Scripture tells us about God is that He planted a garden. So when Adam and Eve have a son, He says to Cain, Cain, I have an assignment for you. I want you to be a gardener. Now, it's interesting because what happens is Cain is called to keep the soil. He's called to nurture things to life. He's called to tend the soil and to be a life bringer. But when we read the story, Cain doesn't keep what he's called to keep. He actually kills what he's called to keep. So when Cain kills Abel, God says to him, Cain? Aren't you your brother's keeper? Cain's like, no. You're wondering, what does this have to do with me? I got a question for you. Have you ever had something that God asked you to keep, but you ended up killing it? Have you ever had something that you knew God had put in your life but because you didn't do things the way you ought to have done them and you didn't do things the way God asked you to do them, what was once living and a blessing in your life ended up dead and you knew there was no one to blame but you. You knew that Abel was lying dead in the field and it wasn't a lion that killed him and it wasn't a bear that was killed him. I can't blame this on my boss or my husband or my wife or my kids. I know that I was supposed to keep this, but I ended up killing it. Well, I got good news for all the canes in the room. Easter Sunday has good news for every Cain who ever feels like that what God gave me to keep, I have ended up killing, and it's nobody's fault but mine. Easter Sunday comes to tell us that in Jesus we find God coming to us saying, God, Cain, Abel's blood is crying out from the ground, and I'm able to take the things that you forfeited, the things that you 
you destroyed, the things that you wasted, the things that you have regret about, and if you'll bring them back to me, I am the God who overcomes your regret. I am the God that overcomes your failure. I am the gardener God. See, sometimes the Bible doesn't want us to identify with the hero in the story. Sometimes the Bible wants us to identify with the villain in the story. And if I preach to you about Abel, you may not feel like you can identify with Abel because sometimes we don't feel like that our life has been taken from us. Sometimes we wrestle with guilt because we know that we have been complicit in taking life from something that was given to us. I believe there might be people under the sound of my voice that know that you had a marriage that was given to you to keep, and maybe you killed it. Maybe you had a relationship with a son or a daughter, and it was given to you to keep, but you killed it. Maybe you had an opportunity with a coworker, and it was an opportunity to show love, grace, and kindness, but you killed it. Maybe you had an opportunity to do something and you just didn't have enough courage or enough faith and 10 years ago that thing still holds you captive because you had something that God gave you to keep but you killed it. But I got good news for us this morning, Gate Church. In every instance and in every situation, no matter how many times we fail, stumble, or destroy what God has given us, if we will bring it back to God, He's able to bring dead things back to life and restore everything that we killed. Maybe you have a relationship with a brother or a sister, maybe you have a relationship with a parent or a grandparent, you were called to keep it, but you ended up killing it. You see, Cain is called to cultivate the soil, but he ends up destroying a soul. And I think that the Bible is trying to get us to understand that the soil and the soul go, to go together. And this is going to be important in a minute, but the Bible says that God formed man out of the dust of the earth, and then he breathed into him the breath of life. So what, and man became a living soul. So what is man? He's soil with a soul. What Cain didn't realize is that when he lifted his hand to strike Abel, he wasn't just killing his brother, he was killing God's garden. Y'all ain't with me, but I'm going to keep on going. He wasn't just killing. And let me help you out because there may not be any convicted murderers in the room, but I would like to remind you that Jesus said you don't just kill people with your hands, you can kill them with your mouth. So when you open up your mouth and speak murderous things against another person, you are not just talking about somebody you don't like. You are not just talking about somebody that got on your nerves. You're talking about God's garden. You're talking about someone who bears the image of God. You're talking about soil with a soul. And God says, why have you done that to your brother or your sister? Because everything in God's good creation, God says, is intended 
intended to be fruitful and bear my image. You are not called to be a murderer with your words. You're not called to be a blasphemer or a slanderer or a liar. You're called to be a life bringer. You're called to be somebody who's filled with the spirit of the living God so that you take life everywhere you go. But I realize I'm preaching in the mirror to myself this morning and I don't always get it right. And I have a hunch that you might uh, always give it right. And I've got good news that Easter Sunday is not for the people who get it right. Easter Sunday is for the people who don't get it right. Easter Sunday is for the people who say there's blood on my hands. There's things I haven't done right. I need resurrection life more than anybody. And so Easter brings a message of hope. And when we aren't good at keeping what we're supposed to keep, then God sends solutions. And so we see how in Abel, Jesus is the fulfillment and the one who sheds his blood for his brother. But we also see how in Cain, Jesus is the true gardener, watch this, who doesn't kill his brothers, but he lays his life down for his brothers. Now, can I go a little further with you? Are you is everybody doing all right this morning? I promise this is going to get real practical. You can write three things down at the end of the message and put them on your refrigerator. I promise, okay? Just hang with me right now. We're going to have a little Bible school. Is this Okay. I know if you wanted, if you wanted like three steps why Easter can give you an, a good uh, marriage or promotion on your job, I'm sure that's on YouTube somewhere, okay? But here at the Gate Church, we're going to go a little deeper than that. Is that all right with everybody? Okay. So, so, um, so, so I got myself off track there. I shouldn't have got distracted. So, so watch this. So Cain kills his brother, and then he founds a city. And it's the first city ever founded. And that's interesting to me because civilization is founded on the shed blood of a brother. And I told you this is a foundational story. So that what we actually begin to understand is that this is the human problem. The human problem is that we keep marking out boundaries and borders... And we always do that by getting in a fight and shedding each other's blood, not realizing that another human that I shed their blood is my brother, according to God. Is anybody in the building? So from every city, every nation has fallen into the trap of the way of Cain. Generation after generation, nation after nation have repeated the sin of Cain. I've been blessed uh, partly uh, to travel all over the world, lots of different nations. And in any nation, you take me to any border, you take me to any river. This is France, this is Italy, this is Germany, this is Poland, this is Russia, this is Poland. You take me to America and Mexico, you take me to any nation, show me a border and hand me a history book and I'll find somewhere where somebody shed somebody's blood to mark that border. Because we're 
we're all sons and daughters of Cain. And the only way we know how to mark out our territory and found civilization is by shedding our brother's blood. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus came into the world to found a new civilization. He came to found not the city of man, but he came to found the city of God. He came not to take his brother's blood, but to give his own blood. And on this cross, Jesus stretched out his hands and not only provided forgiveness for all of our sins, but he founded a new civilization, a new city, a new way of being human so that we could live in the light of Jesus' life. The church, ladies and gentlemen, Somebody said, why is the church even important anymore? I'll tell you why the church is important. Because the church is the city that Jesus founded on his shed blood. And do you know what the church does? The church shows the world that there's a better way to live. We don't have to mark out boundaries by fighting and arguing and killing one another. We can lay down our lives in love. How do you do that? You do that because your heart and your soul have been touched by resurrection life when you know who Jesus is you get empowered to live in a whole different way of life and so throughout history and throughout church we've had all different kinds of ways of understanding what God is like and we've come up with all kinds of ways to describe that. But I think that understanding God as a gardener is one of the best ways to understand what God's salvation looks like in our life. Jesus is the true elder brother. He's the true gardener. He's the reversal of Cain's failures. You know, the Bible says that Abraham went out and he was looking for a city whose builder has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. So how many of you know that Abraham was looking for a city that was different than all the other cities in the world? He was looking for Jesus' city. Now let me, <clears throat> let me help you out here. John chapter 20, I want to show you something about the gardener God and just give you a few things you can take home with you. John chapter 20, this is Resurrection Sunday. However many years ago, this Sunday, this is what happened when Mary Magdalene came in verse number 14. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I'll take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And then as this text goes on, Mary recognizes Jesus when he says her name. But John, the author of this gospel, is doing something very specific in telling us that Mary 
supposed Jesus to be the gardener. Here is Jesus, the reversal of Cain, the fulfillment of Abel, and the last Adam. The gardener is back on the earth. So John tells us when Jesus died, they didn't just lay him in a tomb somewhere. They didn't just lay him in a grave somewhere. It was a specific location that they placed him because when Jesus died, it wasn't just a great man dying and it wasn't even just the son of God dying. It was God's seed dying. And so God said, when you lay him in the ground, make sure you put him in the garden because in Jesus I'm going back to the beginning and I'm giving everybody somebody say everybody I'm giving everybody the opportunity for a new start Woo, I came to tell somebody on this Easter Sunday what Easter means for you is that you get an opportunity at a new genesis. You might have turned your garden into a waste place. You might have dried it up and ruined it. You might have killed everything you were called to keep, but on Easter, the gardener shows back up in your life. On Easter, the gardener walks back into your desert place on Easter, the gardener walks back into your life and says, I'm here to restore what you were called to keep. I believe there are people under the sound of my voice that you feel like your future has been compromised because of your inability to keep what God gave you. But I want to tell you there's a gardener in the house today. There's a gardener in our midst today. And just like Mary, if we'll turn to him and open up our hearts, there's no dead places he's afraid to go. The good thing about our gardener is he's already been to the back of the tomb. He's already stayed there three days and three nights. He knows his way out of the grave. So you don't need to say, don't come in my dead places. Jesus says, I've already been there. The gardener knows the way back to life. The good news is, our God is a gardener. The good news is, our God has been through death, through the other side, and there's nothing in your heart, in the garden of your soul, that Jesus is intimidated by. So you say, I didn't really understand all that Cain and Abel stuff. Here's what I want you to know. Your heart is a garden. Regardless of the condition of the garden of your heart, Jesus is the gardener of all of our souls. Are you with me this morning? So here's three things real quick. Now we told, in church, we told people a lot of things and I'm going to just break a couple of them down, just kind of refute them for you. We've told people that Jesus is a conductor. Jesus is a conductor on the train to heaven so that you come to Jesus and you get your ticket punched so that you can go to heaven when you die. I don't have a conductor Jesus message for you this morning. We've told people that Jesus is a lawyer, that Jesus will get you out of a jam with an angry judge. I don't have a Jesus is a lawyer message for you. We've told people that Jesus is a banker and he's got plenty and he'll loan you some. I don't have Jesus as a banker. I've got 
better news than that. Jesus isn't just trying to get you out of a jam. Jesus is trying to get down into the interior corridors of your life and find every dead and destroyed thing and put his hands on it so that he can bring it back to life. Jesus wants to transform your life from a barren waste place into a fruitful garden. He's better than a conductor. He's better than a lawyer. He's better than a banker. He's better than a businessman. He's better than a politician. He's a gardener. I need a gardener in my life. Why is it good news that God is a gardener? You can write these down. Put them on your refrigerator. Put them on your speedometer. Put them on your visor. Don't get distracted while you drive. Number one, a gardener God isn't afraid to get his hands dirty. You know, I'm not much of a gardener, but my dad was a gardener. So every now and then, in honor of my dad, I get out and get my hands dirty. And uh, what I've learned about gardening is that if you don't like you getting your hands dirty, you're not going to be a very good gardener. Have you ever tried to get somebody who's a, like a prissy person to pick weeds with you? Have you ever, like, just a primpy little person? You know, I'm not, I don't know if they're male or female. It don't matter. You fill in the blanks. But I'm, I'm just saying, one of them people that's like, you're like, hey, can you get down here? And they kind of go like this. <laughs> or, or other people, other people who will remain unnamed in my household, other people, they're, 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 they're the kind of gardeners who like to analyze. You ever have somebody come over to your house and walk by your flower bed and say, man, you got some weeds right there? <laughs> See them weeds right there? And then they tell you, like, that, re that weed right there, the Latin name for that weed right there is Perfivius Miximinimus. <laughs> they know everything about the weeds. And see, there's a lot of people who have an understanding of God that God knows everything about what's wrong with me, and God's really good at pointing out what's wrong with me, but that's not the gardener God. See, the gardener God doesn't stand back at a distance and point out what's wrong with your garden. That's not a gardener God. A gardener God says, let me get down here in the dirt with you. I remember a story about a woman who was caught in adultery, and that woman said, Jesus, my garden is a mess. These men aren't lying. I have been caught in adultery. And the Bible says Jesus stooped down and put his fingers in the dirt and begin writing in the dirt as a picture to that woman that there's no dirty place in your life that God is not willing to reach his hand into. There's nothing in here that God is intimidated by. He's not going to stand back and criticize you. He's going to get his hands dirty in the garden of your life. Now, the other thing about a gardener God that you need to know is not only is he willing to get his hands dirty, but this is a tricky one, but I've learned this. I learned this from my dad when I was a, a, a kid, uh, and I know it because I watch YouTube videos, but um, 
That was a joke, y'all. I do some gardening. I was just a joke. But a gardener, watch this, number two, a gardener does his best work beneath the surface. A gardener does his best work beneath the surface. So if you're kind of an amateur gardener, you might just come in here and move some of this dirt around and say, well, there were some weeds there and we moved those and then we kind of on the surface, we kind of smoothed it out. And if you ever have like a 10 or a 12 year old, I'm just telling you out of experience, work in your garden, what they'll do is they'll stay on the surface and they'll make it look better. They'll say, if we just pour some mulch on there, dad will think it looks better and he'll be happy. But if you garden by only interacting with the surface, you'll only get temporary results. Just give it three or four days and there's going to be some more weeds poking up. But I want you to know that Jesus is not an amateur gardener. He doesn't just trifle around on the surface of our life. He says, no, we got to get down underneath there and we got to get a hold of that thing by the root. And we're going to pull that thing up from the root because we don't want it re-emerging three days from now. And so gardeners do their best work beneath the surface. Listen to me. I promise you, if you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this. They're going to put it on the screen, I hope. I promise you that your life is not so damaged that Jesus can't nurture you into something beautiful. That's it. That's the whole message. Jesus is a master gardener. Number three, the worship team could come back. Number three, a gardener God can bring dead things back to life. Now, I didn't just go to the scriptures for this point. I actually went to Google. And I Googled the other day while I was studying, I said, I Googled gardeners bring dead things back to life. Because I didn't even know if that was totally true. So I just Googled it. And when I did, I was amazed at the first page on Google that came up. And literally, I wrote some of them down. It says, 20 hacks to bring dead plants back to life. Seven tricks to bring dead plants back. And I started watching YouTube videos. And these little gardener people, just crazy little ladies. I mean, just hippies. I mean, all kind of weird people on YouTube going, if you got a dead plant, let me show you what to do with it. You can bring it back to life. And I'm like, man, this is what my dad does all the time is watch these videos. But, you know, so they show you how to do that. And as I was watching them and reading this, the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, Jay, if a human gardener, can bring a dead plant back to life. What do you think that the God who's been to the grave and come back out alive can do with the human heart? If an ordinary human gardener can bring something back to life, you better know that there's nothing Jesus can't do with his breath, his spirit, and his life. He's the gardener who brings dead things back to life. So that means that today, listen to me, 
That means that today, and this is so important, because the other thing we do, listen to me, is we tend to postpone our appointments with the gardener. Sometimes we say things like this, I don't want the gardener to come because I need to get things a little bit more in order. It's a little too overrun. It's a little too weedy. It's a little too ugly right now. How many of you know, you ever known people that were sick, had all kind of symptoms, and you're like, have you gone to the doctor? And they're like, no, I'm going to go next month. You know, or somebody that's got a toothache and they keep postponing the appointment to the dentist. I mean, we are strange people, are we not? It's like, my tooth is killing me. Have you gone to, no, I'm going to make an appointment. You know, I canceled my appointment. I'm going to go, you know, in three months. Sometimes with our lives, we're like that. We think that for some reason, we don't, that we think, watch this. We think that now is not a good time for the gardener to visit. You see, when Mary was in the garden, it wasn't a good time for an encounter with Jesus. She was weeping. She was disappointed. It was a bad day. She wasn't ready for an encounter with the gardener. But I want you to know that sometimes Jesus just shows up in your heart and in your life, whether you're ready for him or not, whether you made an appointment or not, whether you booked it on your calendar or not. He says, I'm here and I want to deal with with your garden. Jesus said, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. What a beautiful picture that Jesus says, my my father and I, we partner in this business of nurturing your heart back to life. And so today, as we get ready to close, I want to ask everybody under the sound of my voice. What's the condition of your garden today? This really isn't a matter of how technically you'd answer the question about what your relationship with God is like. I'm not really interested. I don't even think that necessarily matters exactly because who knows whether we even know what we're talking about when you say, well, I'm, I'm this or I'm that or whatever. No, this is what I want to know. You could be a Christ follower today, but you've neglected the garden of your heart. You could be somebody who God gave you a relationship with Him and you knew you were supposed to keep it, but you've actually been killing it because of some behavior that's going on in your life. You could just be a person who just isn't isn't really in that bad of shape, but you've just been neglecting your relationship with the gardener. But here's what I believe for Easter at the Gate Church. For Easter at the Gate Church, I don't care if you feel like you're way off the spectrum in terms of the condition of your garden or the distance between you and God. Or I don't care if you just need a little spring cleaning and some fertilizer and Jesus to bring some water into your garden. I believe the gardener wants to meet with us today. And I want to give you an opportunity. Come on, would you stand to your feet? Now, we're going to sing, but watch this. I want you to do something different when you sing. I want you to recognize that as you sing, you're opening up your heart to the mist of heaven to come and begin to water the garden of your soul. In just a minute, we're going to pray with some people, but I want us to open our heart for just one moment this morning. Come on, let's lift our voice. Yourself. Turn roads to armies. Turn seas into highways. 
can't do it. Your friend can't do it. Your, your counselor can't do it. You got to come to Jesus. You've got to come because why? Jesus is the only one qualified because he's the only one who got out of the grave. And because he got out of the grave, he's the only one that's qualified to watch this, bring resurrection life back into our hearts. And so I want to pray with you. We've got some people. I want to pray with everyone who's here today. If you're online, we're going to give you an opportunity to receive prayer online. But right here in this building, I know that God wants to do some work in people's hearts. And so if you're here under the sound of our voice, we're not going to take a lot of time. Our service is almost over. But I want you to respond. You see, Mary had to do something in that garden. The Bible says she turned to Jesus and she ran to him. How many of you know that Jesus can be present, but we've just got to respond to him today? So no matter where you are, it doesn't matter where you are. I just want you to respond to Jesus today. If you know, you say, how, how do I know if this is for me? Listen, if you know there are areas of the garden of your heart that have been neglected, if you know there are things in your life that God's asked you to keep, but you're not keeping them, then I just want you to come. We want to pray a prayer with you and allow the Holy Spirit to say, Easter Sunday is a new day in your life. It's a day when the gardener's hands are coming back into the soil of my life. So all over the building, I'm getting ready to count to three. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand all over the building. If you say, that's me today, I need prayer. I'm going to pray a mass prayer with you down front in just a moment. But when I count to three, just raise your hand where I can see them. If we can bring the lights up just a little bit. One, two, three. If you say today's my day, thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Raise those hands. Yes. Yes. Today's my day. All the way in the back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, come on. I just want you to take another step. If you'll just get out from your seat right now, I want to pray a prayer with you. As you get out from your seat and come down front here for just a minute, just come. We're going to pray with you. Get out. Come on, church. Give them a great big hand. Would you do that? Thank you, thank you. Come on, it doesn't matter. Everybody needs, yes. Come on. Come on, if you raise your hand. 
We're going to give you, yes, come on, come on, there's more coming. Come on, this is new life. Yeah, come on. We're going to give you just another minute. Jesus is going to meet you. You're the only one. Come on, Ashley, keep singing. You're the only one. Hallelujah. You turn praise into gardens. I'm going to give you just another minute. We're going to pray. We got. Come on, here comes some more. I knew there was some more. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to connect you. You turn seas into highways. You turn seas. Come on, it's not too late. If you want to come for prayer, I'm going to invite you to come one more time. I see some more people making decisions. We just welcome you right now. Thank you, Lord. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. Now listen, there may be some of you that God's just dealing with your heart. You're just struggling, saying, man, I wish I'd have come. I wish I got prayer. I want you to know you can come anytime. You're never too late. If you feel like that God wants to do something in your life, I want to invite you to come. I'm going to pray a prayer with these guys. If you're down here at front, we just want to pray and agree with you. We also want to talk to you. We have a, a gift or two that we'd love to give you. We just want to say, hey, we'll journey with you as you invite Jesus the gardener. And so in just a minute, these guys are going to pray with you, take you into just right off to the side of our platform right here so that they can give you a gift. But church, I want to ask you, if you will, would you just stretch your hands this way in, a, in, a, in a, just a sign of saying we're standing. Some of these are your friends and your family right now. But I believe God's bringing new life to people right now. So come on, let's pray. Father, we just say together that we are coming to you. We thank you, Lord, that there is grace and redemption and resurrection power in the gardener, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we say we open our hearts to you. If you're down here for prayer, all I want you to do right now is just pray and say, Lord, I open my heart to you. I open my heart to Jesus right now. I invite him in right now to do what he wants to do. You might need healing. You might need salvation. It doesn't matter. Jesus knows what you need. Just invite him in. If you're still in your seat, why don't you just open your heart right now. Say, Jesus, I know you love me, but I invite you in. I want you cooperating with me in the garden of my heart. Father, we thank you that you are faithful to do it. We know that Resurrection Sunday means you are able. So we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Hold tight with the sanctuary if you can. Guys, these guys are going to get a gift for you right off here to the side of our platform. While these guys worship, we're going to just love on these guys, give them a quick gift this morning, and just encourage them. Come on, church, would you give these guys a great big hand?